Missions Conference. Um, it's a joy to be with you and uh, to have the opportunity to lead us in the teaching segments uh, throughout this weekend. And uh, we've been talking about what it means to go. And um, the first night, just to bring you up to speed, the first night we talked about um, that God has called a people to himself to go and gather from the very beginning. It was a part of his original plan. It's not a tangent. It's not a secondary thing. Missions isn't something we tack on to discipleship. It is the vehicle of discipleship. That it's actually in the times that we go and we engage the world around us that we are sanctified as God's people. God is glorified. And the people of God are drawn in. So missions is absolutely essential. We looked at that through the genealogy of Matthew and look at that, uh, that original kind of splash of God's grace in Abraham's life that has this ripple effect. And then last night, uh, we had a little bit of a conversation around some of the obstacles that we face uh, in going. Obstacles that we face because we can't get out of our own way. And obstacles that are genuine things that we need to think through and prepare for as we engage our own culture, our unbelieving friends and neighbors, and as we extend the gospel of grace into other cultures. And for each of these talks, and in addition to that, uh, today is true too, um, we looked at Acts 1.8, which was actually the verse that the voice in the sky uh, read out. Um, uh, when the flag ceremony was starting. I'm going to read that for us. And then we're also going to look at another passage today. But this is our overarching verse for the weekend. And this was God's declaration, Jesus' declaration to his disciples before he ascended to his throne. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that first night we looked at the aspect that uh, Abraham really modeled that expansion, that ripple effect from the very beginning. From Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And then we talked about those obstacles in each of those categories last night. And what I hope we see today is, I want us to see how if we're going to be effective in going to the ends of the earth, it starts with our own Jerusalem. It starts with our city. It starts with how we look at Little Rock, Arkansas. How we pray for Little Rock, Arkansas. How we engage our neighbors in meaningful dialogue and conversation. What it looks like for us to be vulnerable And bold. So we're going to look here first. And what I hope you see, we're going to actually read, uh, uh, our main passage is going to be from Revelation 21, 1 to 5. And what what I want us to see is I want us to see the movement of God's grace from creation to culmination in the image of the city that he is building. So that we have... A redemptive creativity stirring in us as we think about going to our own city. 
That's my goal for us. I want us to see the connection between how we love Little Rock and how God is forming this heavenly city from every tribe, tongue, and nation. That we are reading that resurrection reality back into our mission right now. So that we don't just end up somewhere that Jesus is resurrecting this body and we go, oh, I was going this way and you led me this way. But actually, we begin to think about our programs and the way we use our time, the way we use our prayers and our words in direction that he is pushing us in terms of this beautiful city. So going begins here. And one of the phrases that I use at our church, Christ Community, if you don't know who I am, my name's Hunter Bailey. I'm a church planter that is supported by this church uh, in Fayetteville, uh, Arkansas, about two and a half hours, three hours up the road, depending on how fast you drive. And um, and, uh, right down from the university. And one of the things that I try to cultivate in our people, in our love of Fayetteville, Arkansas, is that we say, one of our catchphrases that we want everybody to know in our church is, we're in the city for the city. I I heard a guy one time define what that meant to him, and I stole it. And, um, And he basically said, there are plenty of good Christians using great cities to plant and become great churches. But that's not what we want to do. We want to be a great church to bless a great city. To make a greater city. Do you see that? That our mission mindset is not that we're parasites on the city of Little Rock, Arkansas trying to extract a few folks out but that actually we're sent in. That we're going here, we're called to be, as Jesus says, salt and light. What does that mean? Well, salt is a preserver of that which is decaying. There's a lot of decay around us, inside of us, as well as inside of our friends and neighbors in our city. And we're called to be a preserver. It's also a flavor enhancer of the thing that is there. Uh, Salt for salt's sake tastes terrible. If you just took a teaspoon of salt and threw it back, it's awful. The beauty of salt is that it's rubbed into whatever it's trying to flavor, and the flavor of that thing comes out and is more beautiful. That's who we are as salt to Little Rock, Arkansas. Is Little Rock, Arkansas more flavored by the beauty and grace of the gospel because of covenant? I hope so. We're light. What does light do? Light exposes darkness and it reveals beauty. Light for light's sake is obnoxious. 
You don't want to look into it. It's like staring into a headlight that's coming in, and you're like, man, forget that. But as you use light appropriately, it cuts through dark places, and it reveals something fuller and more beautiful about the place that it exposes. Is that our mission? As we seek to bless our city, that's what I hope we see. And, and to give us a category to think through some of the creative ways we go, I want us to read together Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5. And I'm going to tie together these ideas of city. This is God's word, Revelation 21, 1 to 5. This is the end of the Bible. When I saw, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write these things down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Have you ever used the phrase, uh, home is where the heart is? Um, in a college town, uh, some of you are headed off to the University of Arkansas. Um, you know, I, I love, one of the things that we have a benefit of being in a college town is many of our students, and even uh, the, the older folks, the adults, and by older I mean 30 and above, um, that they, uh, they come from all over. Most of our students in our church are from Waco, Texas, or Dallas, or Kansas City, or Tulsa, uh, Central Arkansas, Memphis. They're from all over this region. And um, so you ask them where they're from, and they may say those places. But what happens is they come to Fayetteville, and they're absorbed in the culture of the red and white, and they start cheering for the hogs. They start to identify more and more with the place they are as home. But there's also evidences always, especially for our freshmen who come in, that it's not quite home. There's grieving that they've gone and parted ways from different friends. They miss their parents. They're homesick. And so they're caught in this tension of home but not really home. And I want us to understand that tension because when we look at the heavenly city, we look where we're headed, and then we look where we are, there is inherently a tension. We are here, we are going there. 
We're caught in this middle ground as we go as missionaries. The Bible calls us pilgrims, strangers, aliens. So there's going to be a tension. And I think that if we're going to go and we're going to be loving the city that God has called us to love, we embrace that tension. Because I think too often we, eat, we try as a church to alleviate that tension and it hamstrings our mission. We try to alleviate that tension by becoming so much like our current home, our current world, our current city, that there's no distinctiveness. That the world sees us and they, we just blend in. It's like we're camouflaged in the background of our own city. And we don't want to be like that. That's unfaithful. But there's another way that we relax that tension is that we're kind of the salt for salt's sake or light for light's sake. It's kind of obnoxious. We separate ourselves from the city. We're not connected to the life of the city. We're afraid of the city. We try to orient our church around being right and separated from the underbelly and the ugly stuff of the city. And so I think that if we're going to be faithful in going, we need to understand that we live in this tension of belonging to Little Rock, Arkansas. This is your home. This is where you've been called to be and to minister. But you are moving toward this glorious, fuller picture of city. And I hope that those are two loves in your heart. That you genuinely love Little Rock. And that it is evidenced by the way that you go into the city. By the way you engage your neighbors. But that you never lose sight of that we are on a... The, the God of grace is on the move to bring about a fuller city experience. And so I want us to use um, Revelation 21 to help us live in that tension. We're going to look at three things. God is for the city, the church is for the city, and our ministry is for the city. So God is for the city, the church is for the city, and our ministry is for the city. God is for the city. I think that if I asked you... um, Think in your mind of the quintessential city. Many of us probably think of New York, London, maybe Mexico City if you have different experiences, right? You, you think of uh, this city's environments. It's full of people. It's got nightlife. It's art, culture, restaurants, the bohemian, edgy lifestyle. It's full of business, financial centers. The rich are getting ahead. It's a cutthroat, elitist environment, Some of us look at cities, they're noisy, we don't like traffic, there's crime, there's homelessness, there's drinking and drugs, it's the underbelly of the city. And I think some of us think about city in those terms, and so when we think about loving our city, there's this natural aversion as Christians to it. That we go, I've got to be separated from that. But I want you to see... Not only from Revelation 21, but from the connections biblically to Revelation 21. That God's design for us to go is that he's building a great city. 
that informs how we engage our city. Cities are God's idea. And so much like for us who are broken and fractured by our own sin and we've marred the image of God in our creation as God created us, that we're a, a fractured, broken, most time ugly picture of God's image. But he doesn't just throw that away and discard it. Christ died to renew us in it. And I think that's the same truth with our city. That we don't just kind of separate ourselves from going into our city and kind of, you know, close our garages and hope for the best, wall ourselves up in churches like castles, but that we're a bridge into our community. And I, I want to make that point by two ways of making this connection here. Um, of how God's idea is for the city. Not only does he mention it here in Revelation 21, but I, I mentioned uh, two nights ago when we were talking about Abraham that in Genesis 12, when God calls Abraham to himself, it's in the context of what he's just done to judge the unfaithfulness of the city of Babel. And that that, that city tried to erect for itself a monument that reached to heaven to dethrone God, and God threw it down. But he didn't throw away the idea of city in doing that. As a matter of fact, that is exactly what Hebrews 11.10 tells us is what Abraham caught a vision for. It tells us in Hebrews 11.10 that Abraham trusted God because he was building a heavenly city whose architect and builder was God. In other words, Genesis 12 that we talked about on Friday night and this call of Abraham to be a people who go is because they had a vision of a city that it was going to grow together. And Revelation 21 is this great reveal of that city. That God is building. Are any of you fans of Fixer Upper? I love HDTV. I love it. And if you're not familiar with that show, um, it, it, Chip and Joanna Gaines, they're like best friends of mine. I don't know them, they don't know me. But um, what they do is they go, they're realtor and builder together, and they go and introduce this family who's looking for a home, and they show them these hideous homes, three of them. And then the, and then the, uh, the, the couple picks one of those as a fixer-upper, but there's a tagline that Joanna always says is, do you have the guts for a fixer-upper? And I think that as we think about going into our city, we've got to think about that tension. That what we look at, yes, is actually a lot of times is that image of the underbelly of the city. It's, it's, it's dog-eat-dog. It's an it's a, a elitist environment. It's hard to wedge our way in as the church. But it's God's idea to have a fixer-upper. For us to go into this community and take what was broken 
And most people couldn't see that it was going to be made beautiful, but at this great reveal, are you ready to see your fixer-upper? Because God is on the move and his grace is on the move. And cities are God's idea. We also see the connection between Revelation 21 and the idea of city from the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 2.9. Because we just read in Revelation 21, at the heart of this city is a tree. It's the tree of life. It's the symbol of restoration and wholeness in the presence of God forever. And that tree shows up in another place in the Bible. At the very beginning, in the garden, the tree of life was there. What's the point? God is cultivating the garden to become a city. God takes the raw materials of your talents, of your time, of your finances, of your skills, and he is growing and cultivating and building a metropolis. The first thing that I want us to see in this is that God is for the city. He is building something gorgeous through us. And that we need to have the redemptive creativity to use the raw materials of your gifts. Some of you are one-talent people, some of you are two-talent, five-talent, ten-talent, twenty-talent people. But God wants to use those raw materials to cultivate and build something beautiful And we see the overlay of God's plan when Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.10 to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there is a connection point, even though there's tension, there's a connection point between the city to come and us going into our city now. God is overlaying those two. That as we go into our city, we have in mind this heavenly city, that kingdom to come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we take the beauty of what will be revealed of that fixer-upper and we go and are agents of reconciliation and renewal and redemption into our city. God is for the city. The church is for the city. This is made even more strongly when we realize that the city of Revelation 21 is the church. How do I get that? Well, we're told in Revelation 21 that the church here, this this heavenly city, this new Jerusalem, is the bride of Jesus. But the language of bride of Jesus shows up somewhere else in Scripture, Ephesians 5, 25, 31 to 32, Paul reminds us that the church is the bride of Christ. Now, I'm not a math expert. But if the city of Revelation is called the bride, and the church is called the bride, 
then the city is the church. That's Algebra 101. It something like that. <laughs> so what does that mean for us? If the city is the church, what does that mean? I would suggest that the main point is God's design in going into the city is that the church is at the very heart of it. We cannot covenant be pushed to the margins. We have to force our way into the city in beautiful and winsome ways because the city, if it's going to be the beautiful city that Jesus is resurrecting, needs the church. We're not the cherry on top of something beautiful. The church is supposed to function more like the center of a spider web, that ripple effect of redemption that spreads out into the whole city. And I know it's hard. We talked last night about some of the obstacles. Forcing our way back into the conversations of our community is like putting on those jeans you hadn't put on in a while. And you didn't lose weight. And you put them on and you're kind of like, oh man, I don't, maybe I got my son's jeans. Right? Because I'm trying to pull up the legs and trying to button up. And then what do you do? You start stretching and you go, oh, nope, they're mine. I'm still gaining a little weight, but they're mine. Right? It, it's, 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 it's that kind of exercise to go, man, the world around us is trying to squeeze you out of it. And if we are going to be faithful to model our commitment to the city, to be the heart of the city, to be the church that is for the city, then we need to press back on that. That we need to force our way back in to those conversations because the church is essential to the flourishing of this community. God is for the city. The church is for the city. And our ministry is to the city. What does that mean? Well, I think that if you break down the pictures here in Revelation 21, you see a holistic picture of city life. The fullness of life in this city. There's four characteristics, I think, of that restoration in the wholeness of the city that is to come that we are then in turn to be informed by as we go to minister to the city more fully. Our relationship with God is restored. We're told in Revelation 21, 3, God himself will be with them. He will be their God. Restoration of the relationship with others. So the first was restoration of the relationship with God. Relationship with others. That his people come and they dwell together again in harmony. The fullness of the church. The full kingdom. Restoration of the self. Every tear is wiped away. There's no more mourning. No more pain. The shame the rebellion, the hurt is gone. There's no more cutting. There's no more, there's no more um, pride that separates us from others and self. 
And there is a restoration of the relationship with the world. There's a new heavens and a new earth. That doesn't mean, by the way, that he just scrapped the plan and threw that into the trash can. The model of that new heavens and new earth, that, that resurrection reality is the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was still Jesus when he rose from the dead. He had some special qualities after resurrection, but he was still Jesus. And our the, 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 the reality of the new heavens and the new earth is the resurrection reality of the thing we've got now. In other words, our ministry isn't just greasing the skids of a train that's going off a cliff. Trying to do a little bit, trying to stay out of trouble until Jesus comes, burns this whole thing up, and we get something all new. That's not... The burning is a purification fire. Not a condemnation fire. And so our ministry should be as far as the curse is found. That if we're going to go and be for the city that God is raising, and it shows this beautiful picture of wholeness where our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship with self, our relationship with the world is all new. It's all restored. It's all shalom. Then those pillars probably should shape how we do ministry. That we're not just sent out to try to get a few converts. That's great. We, we, we want people to come to faith and repentance. And if you don't know Jesus today, we long for you to know him. Turn from all the other vain hopes you have to the only true hope. Please, make today that day. But our ministry to this city is more than that. Because God's resurrection reality for the city is more than that. The picture is wholeness. It's not just saving souls. It's the full picture of making all things new. We are for the city. I pray that we would be the salt and light that Little Rock, Arkansas needs us to be. That as we are reminded that this city concept is God's idea, He's not abandoning the city, He's sending you and me to be salt and light into it. To make it taste better, to make it more beautiful, to expose what is broken, to preserve what is decaying. God is for the city of Little Rock. We as the church should be for the city of Little Rock. We should be not on a tangent, not on the edge of that conversation, not the suburbs of what's going on in our city, but at the very heart of it. And that our ministry would reflect that resurrection reality. As we go, we go offering something full and beautiful to our city. That the gospel brings restoration in all of those respects. May we 
see the movement of God's grace and participate in it as we go into our city. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, as we look at your city, we look at your design for the city, we are humbled. If we're honest, we're afraid. We're not sure exactly what all that means, but we pray that you would fill up our hands with good things. That we might love the city to which you have called us. And in being for the city and going into the city and ministering to the city, that we would participate in your movement of grace to the ends of the earth, to the city that you are drawing to yourself. Give us hope to live in the midst of tension. Give us the faith to trust you for the assurance of things that we are hoped for, but that we have not yet seen them. We love you, Jesus. We are thankful for your grace being on the move in our own lives and in Little Rock, Arkansas. In Christ's name, amen. would like to encourage us to respond to these messages that we've heard over this weekend and even today's message as we support the work of going with the gospel to our city and and to the world. You should have a green card, a Faith Promise pledge card, and the ushers will come forward. And would you uh, commit to giving to support the work of missions here at Covenant and just place that green card in the offering plate.